0: Come alive with Pastor Mark Martinez.
1: We miss out, and we miss the equipping because we just don't show up. And so here, there's this obligation to equip David. God has an obligation to equip David. David had an obligation to trust and obey. And it seems the minute he is anointed, David is catapulted into, well, endless trouble. Mark, you're not making it easy. You're not making me, making this fun for me. I, you know, I want to follow God, but it's got to be, well, it's not. It's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble. Life isn't going to be easy. The Spirit comes, trouble begins. That's how it works.
0: can't follow God on our own terms. To follow him is going to be hard. We're going to be stretched and pushed outside of our comfort zones. We often esteem David as having some special qualities that made him exceptionally equipped to serve as God's servant. Yet as Pastor Mark points out in today's message, the only way that David may have been special was in his inadequacy. As a shepherd, he was at the bottom of the social ladder. He wasn't the best looking, tallest or strongest he probably wasn't the smartest either, yet God took him and anointed him to serve a crucial role in leading his people. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 with today's edition of Come Alive.
1: Samuel says, bro, we ain't eating until we get to see this guy. We're not going to slaughter this thing until the youngest comes. And You know what's even crazier? Jesse doesn't even tell him the guy's name. He doesn't say, my son David. You don't find out David's name till verse 13. If you've never read the Bible before, you'd be like, well, what's his name? Because Eliab came, and this other one came, and they named him. But what about this one? And so the least of them. And so the one that needs to be chosen, well, it's not up to you. It's not up to you, Jesse. It's up to the Lord. And so some of us should consider that the best is yet to come. The one that needs to be chosen, it's not up to you and I as It's the Lord's choice. So Samuel remains obedient and waits. So where's this other kid? What's he doing? Now, here's where it gets kind of weird. He's out there working, and these other brothers are just kicking it, doing nothing, doing absolutely nothing, just kind of hanging around the house. We don't see that they've done anything, but we're told that David's out with the sheep. He's got a job. And so what kind of shepherd would he be if he wasn't watching the sheep? That's a great place for a shepherd of a nation caring for the sheep. Jesse might have been like, well, there's one more, but he's with the sheep. Could be a while before we run this guy down. And, you know, come on, not one of these other guys. I mean, look at them. They they were all varsity players for for their high school here in Judah. Uh, Wrestlers are strong. They're good looking. Uh, Prom kings, not one of these, but sheep boy out there. Are you sure you want him? Because he probably smells. He's been out there a while. Look at verse 12. So he sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes, and good looking. Notice good looking. It's not like God was looking for the ugliest of the bunch, because we kind of get that impression when we read it. Well, here are all these other good looking guys, strong in stature and awesome. So obviously God wants an ugly one. Well, says so he's good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. This is the one. And again, notice with me that God chose the one that was at work. Who else did that? Followed in his father's footsteps. Jesus. Remember? The fishermen? What were they doing when Jesus walked up and said, follow me? They were working. They were at work. He didn't choose the guy that's sitting on the couch, dealing in his own comfort. Oh, man, I wish I could do something for the Lord. He doesn't want those people. Bodies in motion stay in motion. Not the one working on comfort but the one that was busy being faithful with the little things, with the sheep. A shepherd was a lowly job. I'm always amazed at how many Christians are afraid of those lowly jobs. Hey, is there anywhere I can serve in the church? Yeah, we got bathrooms that need to be cleaned and trash picked up. I was thinking of something different, such as, well, you know, do you have a spot for me? I could probably teach a Bible study. Well, yeah, you can. Start with picking up the trash and cleaning the bathrooms. That's where you can start. They want to help, but they won't stick around for the cleanup. They want to eat, they want to feast, but they don't stick around to help clean up afterward. They just hang out if they do stick around, and they're really not helping. Everybody wants the easy, but nobody wants to work to get it. Same thing in our lives. People wonder, you know, and you think about how do these football players get to be famous football players? Well, they work hard at it. How does a great doctor get to be a great doctor? He specializes in something. He, he gives many hours to his, his craft, an artist or whatever it is, spends a lot of time doing a lot of that stuff. And yet so many Christians are such bad witnesses because, well, I think I need the job where, like, I'm a manager and I can just hang out and drink coffee all day and tell jokes. I mean, I'm a pretty good guy. It's kind of like, well, I'm looking for somebody. Well, if you hire me, I'll help you Look. And that's not what we see here. we got to be careful that as Christians, when we say, hey, I'm a Christian, that we work harder and more, and we're not expecting more. We just do it because, well, that's what we do. We don't say, well, you know, I can stay a couple extra hours longer, but I'm looking for at least triple time and a half. Or, you know what, no. When we start going around and going, um, when does my raise kick in? As a Christian, it's like, no, man, you're, it's a privilege for you to have the job, not for the job to have you. That's what we have to understand. So here, they want to, people want to help. These guys want to be king. They're all probably excited, trying to figure out, well, I wonder why it's not me. I wonder what I did wrong. Look at me. I look better. David, seriously? When they announced that it's David, everybody probably went, really? The socially awkward kid? The only attention David got was from the sheep. Yet they were ungrateful, rebellious, smelly, and often bad. They weren't good. The youngest son is so obscure that we don't even, like I said, find out his name till verse 13. And I love the way God just tramples on those human standards, those human thoughts, those human ideas. We often look at the one that's achieving more than anyone or the one that has the most experience. But God chooses the most unlikely people to do his will. See, God's not a slave to our ways or our thinking. God's call. To any man, and the anointing of the Spirit for service are conditioned upon that man's heart response. You may feel like you can't be used by God, maybe because you lack something. God, in His abundant mercy, can swoop down from the heavens' highest glory and lift you up like He did David. He can say, Hey, you know what? You're no longer a shepherd. I'm going to pull you out of this manual labor job and I'm going to put you in a different one. And so, what we see here is the Holy Spirit coming upon David. Look at verse 13. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And so here, you know, his brothers didn't understand the significance. They were a little indifferent. But guess who understood? David understood what was happening. He got it. See, God can choose and equip whom he chooses. David had a response to to come. God then equipped him for the work. God said, you come, David was obedient, then God equipped him. It wasn't before. It wasn't like, okay, I'll equip you, and then you show up. It's the reverse. Remember, God's ways aren't our ways. Our ways are, we want you to show up equipped, and then we'll put you to work. God's ways are, I just want you to show up. But yet we miss out, and we miss the equipping because we just don't show up. And so here, there's this obligation to equip David. God has an obligation to equip David. David had an obligation to trust and obey, and it seems the minute he is anointed, David is catapulted into, well, endless trouble. Well, Mark, you're not making it easy. You're not making me making this fun for me. I, you know, I want to follow God, but it's got to be... Well, it's not. It's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble. Life isn't going to be easy. The Spirit comes, trouble begins. That's how it works. Though David is the anointed one, Saul is still on the throne, but... It's very similar to another thing that we see even today, that Jesus is called the Christ. It literally means the anointed one. Jesus will rule and reign on this planet one day. But right now, as Jesus said, the devil is the prince of, the, of this world. He's on the throne. And so when Saul was anointed, it was with a vial of oil. Remember, a vial? David was anointed with a whole horn of oil. A little vial, splash, to drench. And that horn, David being the symbol of the true anointed one. David will eventually be anointed three different times. And sometimes a man may feel he's anointed for a certain ministry, and his mom and his grandmother really may agree that, oh, yeah, my son, he's really he's geared up and ready for ministry. But those are the only two people that really agree, maybe one best friend. But you know what happens? Some of your friends might even agree with you, and you might wonder, well, why doesn't everyone else agree? Well, maybe it's not that season. It's not that time. You may feel you're anointed for a certain ministry, and it may be that God's unfolding his plan in your life, but it may not be be the time. Don't rush it. So here's this. Has the Spirit of God been convicting any of us lately? If he has, maybe to push you towards a ministry and you're fighting it, or maybe you're trying to rush it. Either way, be careful. Just pray and allow the Lord to deal with it and equip you. With David, it came as he fought battles for others. Think about it. How do you do that? Praying for the lost, going out, helping someone in need, that's how you and I fight those battles for others. We stand in the gap. We got a list of prayers back there. Now you can. If you didn't know how before, that's how you do it. David as well will see as an incredible man after God's own heart. Look at verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. A distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Well, wait a minute. What? Let's read that again. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from who? The Lord troubled him. What did that say, Mark? A a distressing spirit from the Lord? Sure, that's what it says. Well, what's that mean? Evil spirits and Satan can do nothing without the Lord's permission. And the context shows that this spirit is of discontent, unrest, and depression. The circumstances were these. Saul had proven over and over again untrue to God. He had deliberately disobeyed God. He had deliberately had consequences. God had withdrawn his spirit from him. That would be a huge consequence. When God's spirit's withdrawn from you, well, guess what? A spirit of discontent comes upon you. And you might think, well, no, 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 that's not biblical. Let's see. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit came. Yeah, it's biblical. It's in the Bible. That makes it biblical. biblical. It doesn't mean we like it. Doesn't mean it's one of our favorite verses or it's going to be our life verse. So how does this happen? And and a lot of us who just want to hear the love and the happy are like, oh, well, you know, there's got to be a really good explanation. Well, it is. It's part of God's love. This is not an unkind act on God's part. There's nothing kinder that God could do for Saul but to give him this spirit, this distressing spirit. It's one of the most merciful provisions that our heavenly father can give when we disobey him and wander from him that makes us unhappy and discontented in our sin see he wants you to be unhappy i mean how much love does a god have when he says okay that's cool go ahead stay in your sin okay he said that's cool if you want to go ahead and play in the rattlesnakes i'll let you just play there i'll walk away and when you're all right then you just call him you know no that's dangerous stuff I want, I'll give him a, an unrestful spirit by paddling him if he continues to walk in that direction. And so this is a, a loving thing that God does. When we disobey him and wander from him, he makes us unhappy and discontented in our sin. He makes us feel guilty. He makes us be like, oh, man, why did I do that? Oh, I'm so unrestful. If God were to leave us in that sin, it would be the cruelest thing he could do. But God, in his great mercy will win every sinner possible back to himself. That choice of sinning and getting a spirit of unrest or dissatisfaction is on us. But God sends the spirit. And if we make the right use of that spirit, that discontented, unrestful thing God sends, it brings us back to God and to the joy of the Holy Spirit. So how is this happening? I mean, how is God uh, uh, the author of evil? It's not. He's not. It's not authoring evil. It's just saying, hey, he just let the spirit come down and rest upon Saul. Paul says it in the New Testament. Hey, if you've gone to a brother over and over again, he continues in his sin, turn him loose, do some church discipline, send him out, let Satan have his way with him. What does it say? Let Satan have his way with him. Why? So hopefully he hates it so much that he comes back. And then there's fruit of repentance. So Saul made the wrong use of the spirit. Instead of repentance, he chose bitterness against the one whom God sent. He chose bitterness, and we see God's mercy here. But Saul chose to be deceived by the devil. Look at verse 15. And Saul's servants said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand and when, he, when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Verse 18, then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Well, it's the second time we're told David's pretty good looking. But also he's skilled. Well, what do you do in that time when you're out there just hanging out with the sheep in the wilderness? Nothing? Take your brain out and play with it? No. You should be preparing for something. Well, the Lord's not using me right now. Are you having Bible studies? Are you reading the Word? Are you studying? Well, I don't know if he's going to use me. He hasn't told me either way. Really? Did he really tell Samuel everything he was going to do every step of the way? Or did he in bits and pieces? Man, we got a lot of excuses as Christians as why something doesn't happen, why we don't, instead of just doing. The one guy prepared to minister to Saul was David. The one guy, out of all the guys that were in this place, the one guy is David. Just as Paul was prepared by God to do a specific work, so David was used to accomplish God's work for God's people. I think it's cool that David was a gifted musician, a poet, and a rugged soldier. You don't see that today. You see these guys who are poets. Well, they're a little feminine. They wouldn't be a good soldier or a gifted musician. You don't often see a Tough guy musician up there. They're usually wearing skinny pants, trying to look as feminine as possible most of the time. Freaks me out. But yet we got a man of God that's able to be a man of God. He's gifted in poetry, music, and battle. He's not afraid. And he's a hard worker. Uh, And and it doesn't say that he specialized in one. He specializes in all. David was a unique individual, and God created him that way. Just like he created you, to be a unique individual, to be different. I'm not saying that if you're a musician or an artist, you have to be a warrior. I'm not saying that if you're a hard worker and you're a rough dude, that you have to go and sit home and try to write poetry. But, hey, you know, God's given us all a heart. He's given us all some softness. We all have a soft spot for something. But sometimes we allow the world, and we allow People to shape and form us into what they want us to be rather than what God wants us to be. You can be a tough guy, musician, cowboy, hardworking, husband, dad, play with kids, love to pick flowers, love to plant flowers, love pretty colors. You can be all those. You, you don't have to be limited. Many people allow people to define them, they find a friend who likes what they like, they may admire that person in some way and they start following that friend, trying to become like them instead of, you know, get all wrapped up in that person, instead of getting all wrapped up in God and saying, God, who do you want me to be? Maybe I'm supposed to be that leader. I constantly tell Asa, you know, that's cool that you have your friends and you need to be a good follower because a good follower makes a great leader. But you also need to be the guy that's able to stand up and say, I don't want to do that. You don't have to be led into every little thing. Be your own person. Be what God has for you to be. Instead, we can admire a friend, but we also need to look up to God and allow him to define us, to allow God to define us. Look at verse 19. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. Once again, he's with the sheep. He's anointed, and he's still hanging out with sheep. He doesn't go walking on Saul's door and going, Hey, dude, you've got six weeks to clear out. I'm going to kind of reformulate everything here. I'm in charge, so head out. He just goes back and he does what he has to do until the Lord says, it's time for you to move. Verse 20. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. So here, here's this guy, a good warrior. He's an armor bearer willing to stand next to his king. Even though the king is no longer the king, it's the king standing next to a king. It's kind of a weird thing when you really think about it. Which one's the king? One's got the throne. One's got the anointing. One's the armor bearer, the servant. The other one's the one lording it over him. And so David never was bitter. His anger was given to the Lord, never allowed hatred to rule his heart. He was an admirer of Saul, even though Saul was out to kill him a lot of times. Here's what I find amazing. That David... Saul's worship leader. Saul had these demons. When David played, the demons left. Uh, I find it amazing that David's not only God's choice, but also Saul's choice. God chooses David, so does Saul. Look at verse 22. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brother's then as he talked with them, there was the champion of the Philistine I mean 17, sorry, verse 21. So David came to Saul. I was like, man, this is really getting good because I don't remember it. So David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. And then Saul would become refreshed and well. And the distressing spirit would depart from him. Isn't that cool? Huh? David, when the music was played by this godly man, the demons fled. Saul got rest and David praised and worshipped the Lord. And for us, worship works wonders. Are we worshipping? You know, rooted in God before the foundation of the world. God said, hey, you know this kid, you are going to be rooted in me before the foundation of the world. But you have a choice in this. And this is the same picture seen today as Saul hated David and he's rejected by God yet sustained. David is sustained by God. Saul hated this kid and God yet sustains David. And David sustains his Lord and says, man, I lift you up. I stand for you no matter what. So the world hates Christ's people yet in its doomed state is only benefited by us. Think about that. In its doomed state, Us as Christians, the world is only benefited by us because we're the ones who keep society from rotting into decay. Though it is rotting, we keep it from having a a super fast rotting, keeping the world from being worse than what it is. See, God chose a man to be a king. So what has he chosen you to be? Maybe a king of your house, maybe a king of your job. You're anointed with his Holy Spirit if you responded in a positive way and agreed to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But what is true of David may also be true of you. Our lives are rooted in Jesus, that what God guar- that's what God guarantees for you and I, that we're rooted in Jesus. It's a guarantee. but we have responsibility as well. In response to that call, we are to sacrifice, we are to surrender. We are to serve him, not ourselves. And so David had a heart of gratitude of the Lord for the Lord. Uh, for meeting his needs, needs, supplying him in things both spiritual and material, even, even when the devil was looking on. Sometimes the devil's watching you. Sometimes the devil will be watching you as you do things, and you're like, oh, I see him, he's looking. It feels uncomfortable, and you might have many reasons not to do it. But see, God's choice of a man is conditioned upon his heart response, not a head response. It's not perfect. He knows we're not perfect. But if you just show up, he'll equip you.
0: We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes. So having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel, Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.